Welcome to the Teachers Podcast, in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life-work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone and thank you for listening. In this episode, I interviewed John Chippendall, also known as Dr Chip, a primary school teacher and computer science specialist working with Barefoot Computing. It was lovely to meet John and talk about the computing curriculum and learn from his expertise in teaching it to both pupils and also teachers. It's not all about coding and John had some great ideas to teach computational thinking to your children. Let's get to the interview. John, Dr. Hello. Chips, yes. Chip. <laughs> yeah, all of the above. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just don't know which name yeah. to go with. Um, Whatever you want, yeah. Let, let's call you Dr. Chip for now. Okay, that's fine, yeah. Welcome to the Teacher's Podcast. Ah, thank you, thanks for having me on. Um, so you do a lot of work with Lee Parkinson. Um, I do, yeah, Mr. Mr. P. Yeah. yeah. So obviously he's recommended that we get in touch, so thank you so much. And we're going to talk a lot about computers, computer science, things like yeah. that today. Yeah, yeah. So... Tell me everything. How did you get from being born to here right now? Okay, uh, right. Okay, so, um, well, originally I'm not from this part of the world. I'm from Bristol, mm-hmm. um, down south. But I came up to Manchester University um, when I went off to uni. Yeah. And um, I went to study aerospace engineering. Wow. Because um, uh, I always loved uh, aircraft, hence the shirt. Uh <laughs> And uh, I did my degree there, and then I went on and did a PhD there as well, um, developing some uh, work around early drones and how they manoeuvre and stuff. It was all really good fun. Um, But whilst I was doing my PhD, I started um, doing uh, sort of volunteer work in schools, so taking part in projects where we're going into schools, trying to encourage more people to study engineering, particularly uh, working with groups of girls, trying to increase uptake of girls studying engineering because we need more engineers, we need more female engineers. And I started spending more time in schools thinking, oh, I really like this. I really uh, enjoy working with young people, just sharing kind of my passion at the time for for engineering. Um, So when it came towards the end of my PhD, there was this kind of pool of education. There were also a couple of things pushing me a little bit out of the engineering that I was doing at the time. Um, And I thought, right, I'm going to explore this kind of interest in in, uh, education. And and it kind of uh, made sense in another way as well, in that when you do a PhD, uh, to get your PhD, you you need to make an original contribution to knowledge. That's the, the idea of it, Doctor of Philosophy. So you've made this contribution. So actually the content of what is in your PhD is kind of less important than the actual idea that you learn about what constitutes knowledge. What does the world already know? Uh, Where can I find a little gap in what we know? And how can I plug it? So actually, you develop this real interest in the process of learning as you do a PhD, because it's all self-directed. You go go Mm. off and do it. So I, I found that side of things really fascinating. And actually, that started then interesting me more than the actual subject of what I was learning about. So yeah. kind of all these different factors, I thought, right. Learning gonna, about learning. Learning about learning, yeah, yeah metacognition. Yeah. Um, so I thought, right, I'm going to explore this. I went to 
uh, Leeds and worked on a STEM project for a year at University of Leeds um, as I wrote up my PhD and then uh, applied to Manchester University to do the primary PGCE and started the following year. So uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. It was full on, as yeah. anyone that's ever been to a PGCE knows. Yeah. Um, it was just as hard as the PhD, definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I did my last placement in um, uh, the school that I'm still in now, Crumpsall Lane Primary School oh, wow. in North Manchester. Um, so, yeah, I did my last placement with year one there. And actually, wow, I, that's unusual as well, isn't it? Don't you think? Doing a doing a key stage one. Key stage one. Normally, they put all men in the top. Yeah. So I'd gone into year six for my first placement, yeah. and then they try and balance it with a with a, the opposite key stage. Um, but actually, I walked past a pair of twins that were in that year one class just uh, last week, and they're now about my height and oh, yeah. uh, about. <laughs> well, they must be coming up 14 15 yeah so wow, um yeah. so so since and then since then to now i kind of ended up specializing in computing and computer science yeah. um and uh and that kind of came about when the government changed the curriculum yeah um so in the kind of slight run-up to that i'd already kind of got wind of this idea of doing coding and programming in in mm. schools and because I'd had a sort of fairly technical background, yeah. um, I've, although that I just want to stress that's not required to yes. teach this stuff, but <laughs> yeah. it just interested me because I'd yeah, done a bit yeah. of coding and um, stuff with my, my engineering. So I started writing resources and just sharing them online, just yeah. saying, hey, you know, have a go at Scratch with your kids. Yeah. Um, so when the, when the government changed uh, the curriculum, there was a project funded by the DfE um, called Barefoot Computing. Yes. Um, which is still around now and supported by BT. And um, I went and applied to work on that project and was successful and spent a year out of school developing resources uh, wow. to support teachers, um, specifically to teach the computer science side of things. Yeah. Um, and then, so that was like four or five years ago. So since then uh, to now, um, after that year finished, I only went back to school part-time and I've kind of continued this kind of hybrid of part-time in schools teaching and part-time um, working consultancy stuff, range of different organisations, just pushing computing, particularly computer science, because you yeah, mentioned yeah. that I work with Lee, Mr P, quite a bit, and yeah. he kind of does more of the digital literacy yes, and the IT yes. stuff, and, and I do more of the computer science stuff, so that's how yeah. we kind of fit together when we run our courses. That's amazing. There you go. Was that all right as a kind of a summary? I've got go. so many questions here. Oh, right, okay. Like, hi, okay. <laughs> yeah. So... Drones. Do you still have an interest in drones then? I do have an interest in drones. Um, I think it's fascinating to see how they have evolved from the time when I was doing mm. PhD to something that was incredibly specialist yeah. um, and was just the kind of preserve of laboratories associated with yeah. universities. Uh, <laughs> they're, all around, they're all over the place now yeah, and you yeah. can go and buy them for um, you know next to nothing. Uh, mm. I took one on holiday with me last year. Um, and it's incredible. It's got GPS in it um, mm. and, uh, you know, amazing camera on it. Um, but there's just some uh, kind of unintended consequences of that Yes. as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've had the disruption at Heathrow. Mm -hmm. um, we've had people using them irresponsibly near yeah. um, airports, etc. So it's a really interesting space in terms of how they'll be 
regulated. It is interesting because I've not really had that much experience with it, but our friends, they've got one. And right. mum and, um, and dad have got a caravan. We, we okay. go there sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So we went with them, we took it to the beach. Um, so my husband was really interested in it as well. He's like, yeah. wow, can we get one? Um, and then, you know, it takes, you can get it to follow the kids and it takes yeah, yeah, yeah. lovely videos of them and that's nice. But then when you realise it's following you and you think, oh my word, this could become a thing where you just have a drone following you and you yep. can't. Oh. Yeah. But delivering milk to my house in the garden, love it. That, yeah, yeah. And that's the whole idea with the whole Amazon uh, yeah. delivery drones. Um, yeah, that'd be incredible. You know, I yeah. mean, although Amazon's pretty quick as it is already, um, but the idea that it could just arrive, land in your garden. I know. But you, you were saying about the whole uh, tracking thing. Yeah. That's really interesting because the technology that that is using is AI, machine learning, the yeah, ability to recognise yeah. humans, identify them and follow them. Yeah. And that spins off into a whole other debate around the ethics of that. Yeah. But, but, but I just find it incredible how that technology is just there as a consumer device available for people to purchase. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're good fun, though. Yeah, good fun. Yeah. yeah, I'll probably give in at some point. Yeah, and, and yeah. Say, yeah, okay, all right. Mind. As long as you take nice videos and photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so engineering yeah. and education, like how does that even compare? Do you, do you feel like you've found what you're supposed to do in teaching? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't really want to try and compare them because they're very different mm -hmm. in, in, in some ways. Um, but I mean, I, I just found that I, I love working with learners, whether yeah. that's young children uh, or, you know, I've done a bit of work in secondary schools or whoever. But the idea that when you're sharing something that you're kind of really passionate about mm. um, and seeing them kind of understand these concepts, you know, science concepts yeah, or yeah. engineering concepts, if you're doing stuff like that, it's just so rewarding, isn't it? And I mean... I just you just get to do really good fun projects and stuff in, yeah. as well. I mean, I've built electric go karts in school. Uh, I've done model planes. I mean, uh, my wife's got like a proper job where she goes <laughs> yeah. to work and spends days all the day in meetings and stuff, yeah, and yeah. comes home and says, "What have you been doing?" And I say, well, "I've been make, programming drones to fly." It's fantastic fun, and it's yeah, yeah, I love it. And that that's why I decided to go into secondary teaching actually in performing arts because I, I thought right. well I don't want to do the teaching what I want to do is direct and choreograph right, and perform okay. all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and to be fair I did do quite a lot of right, that. Right cool <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay so you mentioned you had a year out. Yes. How did school support that then? So school were very supportive actually. Um, the uh, head not our head anymore uh, but the head at the time um, was very supportive in helping people to pursue interests and develop. I think she could see as well that, you know, this was a really important area of the curriculum, yeah. the changes. She could see that it would ultimately benefit the school if we could, you know, lead things, move things on yeah. in that area. So, yeah, um, yeah well, it was, they just paused my contract, if I remember rightly. I don't think I did it as a secondment. Mm -hmm. I, they paused the contract and uh, then I came back to them. That's amazing. And I love stories of that where schools have supported people to, yeah. to do something really important. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, you never get that chance again. Yeah, and I think there should be more of that as well. I mean, a few years before that, with the same head, I'd um, applied to the EU and got the Erasmus funding to set wow. up a, like a joint project between 
uh, our school, then a school in Poland, Turkey, Greece, and somewhere else. And all the kids went and visited all the different countries. Wow. What was really interesting was that the teachers, uh, I think it was in Poland and one other country, they were telling me that they get a secondment as part of um, just the normal contract. I think it's like every five or seven years or something like that, they have a year to out of the class to work on a specialism. Yeah, I'd have to check. This was a while ago, yeah. and I'm just trying to recall it. But I can just remember thinking at the time, particularly because I'd come out then of university area and seeing research happening, and then seeing schools happening, and feeling like there was this gap. Yeah, yeah. And it just, I just remember thinking that's such a sensible idea yeah. because it provides that opportunity to specialise and bridge that gap a bit. Mm. How old were the children then if they visited all those countries? Uh, we took years five and six. Yeah, wow. you should have seen the risk assessment. Oh my word, I just cannot <laughs> imagine. And did did they do it in one fell swoop? Yeah, so or? it wasn't it wasn't all of the kids, all the countries basically. Right. So each country over the course of two years hosted about five or six from each of the other countries coming. Um, so we got it all funded by the EU. Um, we won't make this political. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about the EU. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, it was just incredible. <laughs> There's no more of that. <laughs> no, exactly. That's it. No chance now. Um, but no, it was an incredible experience. Yeah, so and we had a couple of different teachers and TAs go on the, on the trips to all the different countries. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, okay. So what advice would you give then to teachers worrying about coding? Because that is... The big one that they're all yeah. worried about when it comes to teaching computing. Yeah. Okay, so I think the first thing is just to acknowledge that worry, right? Because it is a fairly yeah. significant ask. Um, we are asking teachers to teach something they haven't had experience of yep. themselves uh, in their own edu education, although that is going to change with time as people come up through the system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think that it is realising that there's a lot of support out there. Mm. Um, and also that you don't, I mean, your question was how do you do the coding, but computing and computer science is not all about going yeah. straight to the coding. There's a lot of work you can do with unplugged activities where you're teaching these concepts without technology. Mm -hmm. um, and um, one of the projects I mentioned before that I'm involved with, Barefoot Computing, yeah. provides loads of free resources around this idea of teaching um, unplugged computing. So is it a website? Yeah, Barefoot Computing, if you just search Barefoot Computing, um, okay. Barefoot, uh, it's barefootcomputing.org.uk. Yeah, okay. um, and so that was the original um, DFE project. Yeah. And then when that funding came to the end at the end of the year, BT took it on and BT have grown right. it over the last three or four years. Yeah. So to date, I think we've reached over 2 million pupils via training up over 70,000 wow. teachers. Wow. So we've got this army of volunteers that go into schools and run free workshops. It's fantastic. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, and there's loads of resources on there. You can book a free workshop, come into your school. Um, yeah, and just access those. And then as well, um, the last couple of years, we've had the NCC, which is the National Centre for Computing Education. Right, okay. Um, and the, the government have put aside, I think it's over 80 million for this. Wow. Um, again, along the same lines as Barefoot, providing heavily subsidised uh, bursaried um, courses that you can go on, face-to-face -face courses, online courses, resources. So uh, for people that are worrying, you're not on your own. It's acknowledged that this is an area we need to offer support yeah, and there is yeah. support out there. So yeah. would you suggest then that they go and find um, find out about training and get on training? 
Yeah, go and find out about training, uh, get onto training, um, maybe work through one of the courses that's available online right, uh, okay. because some of the NCC yeah. courses are online courses that you can just work your way through rather than having so to wait for a day. So that would be great if schools gave teachers time to do that instead of a staff meeting or something. Yeah, definitely, definitely, because that's, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, some of the challenges with this stuff and one of them is, you know, definitely time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you schools could say, okay, this meeting on such and such date, I want you to just start working your way through one of the NCC primary pedagogy courses, then that would yeah. be a, a really good support. Also as well, get get some of your pupils supporting you because there are always those pupils that are very, very confident. Yeah. You know, computing ambassadors um, can be there to support both other pupils and yourself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I, I completely agree with that because I remember when I was at school, there was an acorn, one acorn in the yeah. classroom um, because I'm that old um, <laughs> and the teacher definitely didn't know how to use it. Um, so I would sort of try and fix it and if there were things I couldn't do, like my dad was always, always on computers, I was like... I will come back with a solution tomorrow. I'd go home, yep. find out how to do it, yep. come back the next day and fix it. Yep. Well, that, yeah, and that's great because you, you knew where to go to find out the, <laughs> the answer, answer, you know. The equivalent to that these days, Google it. It will be yeah. out there. Yeah, and I think as well, because my dad, oh, he loved Acorn computers, even like when right. PCs had come in, but school yeah. school still had Acorn, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I was there, I knew, because my dad was so passionate <laughs> at the time. But you'd probably still say now there were better computers, you know. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, okay, so what are your top three tips then for teaching great computing lessons? What would you be looking for? Okay, so for me, uh, my top three tips. So one, computational thinking should really be at the root of everything we're doing here. So just to explain that really briefly. Um, in the, when we look at the new computing curriculum, the opening line of it doesn't mention programming or coding or mm. using technology. Straight away, it talks about computational thinking. And what that is, is this set of problem-solving skills mm. that we can look at, a, pupils can look at a problem and then think, okay, how am I gonna solve this? What are the steps to solve it? An algorithm, how can I break this problem down, decomposition? Yeah. And it's these problem-solving skills which are really valuable and that we want to develop in pupils because technology changes. Yeah. If we just make, if we just develop pupils coding skills in, in one language, Scratch or something, as that changes and evolves, it will exist on. by the time they've employed. Yeah. So what we want to do is make great problem solvers. So computational thinking, that needs to be at the heart of what we're doing. Mm. Um, and you can apply that through your programming, yeah. um, but often uh, when I'm working with schools and stuff, I don't see the kind of reference to that and pupils are just learning how to code. And often it can be with quite a scaffolded yes. environment. And I understand why, um, because of the, the kind of challenges. So linked to that then, the second thing is creativity, bringing the creativity in. So trying not to have lessons whereby things are too scaffolded and pupils are just copying code that they might have seen yes. in uh, you know, the resource and they're just recreating. Because yeah. um, I think it was Miles Berry who said to me once, and it made me chuckle, that we're, if that's happening, we're not teaching programming, we're just programming the kids because they yeah. are just following it by rope. Yeah. So try not to have uh, any copy code, try and make things creative, linked computational thinking, um, and kind of linked to that is this idea that programming 
um, is, is a two-step process. So people's having a bit of design, they're making a design and then they're, they're coding it mm -hmm. as well. Um, so those, those are the kind of three things I look for. And then there's, there's then this kind of big overlaps with general good quality pedagogy for all subjects, you know, questioning to explore people's understanding, um, making links with real world, kind of bringing a bit of careers education in there. But yeah, those are kind of my, that's what I'm looking for really for great computing. Okay, so you've mentioned about computational thinking yeah. and there's a, there's a teacher there listening now yeah. thinking, what are you talking about? Okay. Give me an idea, give me an example of what that actually means in a lesson. Okay, so I'm going to use an example from one of the Barefoot resources, which is probably the most downloaded resource. It's called Crazy Characters. Mm -hmm. And this is an unplugged activity where pupils can develop their, uh, one of the main computational thinking skills, which is algorithmic thinking, so algorithms. Mm -hmm. So in this activity, you might uh, you think up a crazy character and you keep it to yourself and then you... Um, say the steps of the, the, the algorithm and everyone Is this draws. a clever game of guess who? Yeah, basically, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, or kind of guess was that quite right. Um, yes. So, and then they draw out and then you show your crazy character and you check whether it's exactly the same as the crazy character they've drawn. Yeah. And more often than not, it's not, uh, they're not the same because yeah. your um, instructions weren't specific enough. Yes. And it's, that can be used to teach the idea that an algorithm needs to be a really specific set of instructions. Yes. Okay, so that is a simple unplugged activity. There we're hitting algorithms. Yeah. There are loads of similar activities on the Barefoot site to look at the other computational thinking skills of abstraction, decomposition, valuation, pattern and logic. I thought I was going to forget yeah. one then, but I managed to do <laughs> I them was six. Looking at you grinning thinking. Why am I grinning? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I knew why he was grinning. I was yeah. thinking, can he do it? Yeah. Can he do it? So the, we've got this kind of model where there's six skills that make up computational thinking and, and you can teach all of those through unplugged activity. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Okay. I just thought yeah. there'll be somebody, yeah, yeah. Inc including me as well, because, mm. you know, I haven't really been in the classroom for quite a number yeah. of years. So, But the funny thing is, is... Um, we're actually going to get get onto a question from my mum, which I mentioned to you before. Yeah. So my mum actually used to teach just computing. Um, as uh, She did it sort of as PPA. And I actually remember covering one of her lessons. So she went off for an operation okay. and she got me in <laughs> to, right, cover, okay. to cover her lessons. We didn't do, we didn't do it um, as a non-computer um, activity. Not as a non-computer But we did, one, a, yeah. we did a similar activity, but on the computer. So she'd say okay. it all up and everything. Yeah. So yes... Guess who? It's really good. Um, okay then. Um, so I've got some questions from the rest of the team. As okay. Well. Yep. So Betty wants to know, what do you find are the biggest benefits to still working in the classroom alongside your other roles? Yeah. So I think uh, the, the the kind of two things just work so well together mm -hmm. because in when I'm not in the classroom, I'm, most of my role is kind of thinking up new. Uh, resources, lesson yeah. activities, working with teachers. And to do that, I need to be able to test out those lesson ideas. Yes. Yeah. Um, and quite often, I should really attribute a lot of my lesson ideas to the kids that I teach, because you know, when you yeah. teach them, then they yeah. go, oh, could we do this? And I think well, that's a great idea. Yeah. That feeds back into yeah. um, the world of teaching. So it's, it's important in, in that sense. Also, you know, I get to still see um, the challenges that teachers yeah. are experiencing 
um, by being in school. So yeah, I don't think I could do one without the other really. No, and I think when you're teaching um, and creating resources for something that's so, I don't want to say new to everyone, but unknown mm. by so many teachers, you mm. need to be able to, and it's not it's not like teaching a maths lesson, is it? You, you do have to test out whether mm. it really works and the children grasp it when it's new technology mm. and all this kind of thing. Um, okay then. So, Betty also wants to know, do you think the changes to the curriculum were a positive thing? Yes, definitely. I think that um, our old curriculum, uh, I think was it Eric Schmidt from Google, just described it, he was flabbergasted at the state of the old curriculum, that we risked throwing away our great computing heritage. I don't know if that quote's exactly right, but that's I've had it in a few slides over the years. Um, and, and I agree with him on, on the old ICT curriculum. You know, the computer was invented 50 uh, minutes from here at Manchester University with Alan Turing. Mm -hmm. But since then, our curriculum has just focused yeah. on how to be a confident user of the technology rather than a creator of it. Yeah. Um, and I think the readdressing the balance so that we now feature that computer science from early age it was incredibly important. I think maybe the difference between to use the intent implementation and impact you know the intent i totally agree with perhaps the way it's been implemented and we're still working that out with some schools maybe the the maximum benefits from it haven't come through just yet but yeah i do agree with with the with the changes that were made okay good well, that's positive. Yeah, I've kind of got to really, haven't I? Yeah, you have, as soon as you did some of it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so she's being greedy. She's got she's got another question. Okay. Um, do you think there's anything that's still not covered in the curriculum which you passionately feel needs to be taught? Yeah, I'd like to um, include some, uh, some elements of AI, some basic understanding of mm -hmm. AI, and particularly machine learning. So I think this is fascinating. Uh, I don't know if you're sort of aware much of sort of how machine learning is. Yeah, a little it bit. It's my husband is really interested right. in it. He's the other director. Okay. Um, but he is the CTO, so that can make sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I can imagine with the website and stuff, perhaps there's some kind of analytics that use uh, yeah. machine learning stuff. Yeah. Um, but just, I mean, just at a basic level, you know, this is it's changing the way that we work with computers. It's changing. Um, you know the the impact that technology is having um, on on jobs, mm -hmm. um, both creating new and making some redundant. Mm -hmm. um, there's real interesting ethical implications yeah. of machine learning and big data and storing that data. And I, I would love to see it introduced at a kind of basic level in Key Stage Two, so we can start to educate pupils about that. Mm, thank you. Okay, so. This question is from my mum now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So when the curriculum changed, many schools dropped teaching things like office in favour of coding and began to use things like scratch and coding more. Yep. So in a broad and balanced computing curriculum, should we be encompassing everything? And I think it's just important to note that I think that's definitely come from a place of, especially if you have um, standalone lessons where somebody mm. takes that on, then the teacher in the classroom can sometimes forget that they need to be teaching that as well. Yeah, so I, I yeah, definitely agree with your mum that we need a broad and balanced curriculum. I think the, the new computing curriculum, uh, I say new, you know, 2014, 
does also encompass all the uh, include all, all of the um, ICT elements of uh, working with technology. Mm. Um, so that is still in there. In fact, you can kind of break the computing down into you've got your computer science, you've got your digital literature, and you've got your IT strand. Um, I do uh, know that perhaps when it was introduced, there was this kind of big focus on the, the coding curriculum and schools maybe interpreted that message wrong and stopped doing that. And we need to readjust that balance again. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, as you say, if somebody, if, if pupils have got different teachers for the computer science bit and some, you know, a specialist is teaching yeah. that uh, bit um, kind of more discreetly, we still need to be integrating the use mm-hmm. of technology into the wider curriculum because it is just as important um, you know, there's kind of two sides to this this thing, really, in terms of the opportunities and the way um, technology is kind of driving things more and more. We There are going to be lots of opportunities for the kind of hardcore software developers, hardware developers mm-hmm. in the future, but also people's need a really quite a high level of yeah. digital competency for a, ma- for a whole range jobs. of jobs. Pretty much every yeah. job. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, landscape garden, a friend of mine's a landscape gardener, and now he's using CAD packages to show clients yes. how it's going to work. This is Fashion it. industry um, are starting to introduce the idea of 3D body scanners, a scary thought, yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, to provide mass uh, personalised clothing. It's everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I do think broad and balance is really important. Now, I also think... There is a tendency, um, I think, with some teachers to think, oh, well, we don't need to teach them Word because they'll just pick it up at home. But sometimes they don't. And sometimes you do have to kind of still teach them that rather than, oh, we're just using it. Yeah, 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 definitely. They need to be taught it as well. Okay, so Jan, um, she says, many teachers still feel ill-prepared to teach coding in their classrooms. And I'm sure sure Jan felt this way, actually, because I do know Jan. Um, How can schools best equip their staff, including the TAs, with the required skills and confidence. Okay, so I think we kind of talked a little bit about this mm-hmm. in um, the previous, there was a previous question on the support kind of available. Um, I think that it's in the same way that we work with pupils, we first of all need to get an idea of where all your staff are at yeah. because there's a variation. Um, so, you know, we're talking to staff understanding both where they're at with their own confidence but also you know what the expectations are what year are they teaching because if you're in year five and year six obviously the expectations around the coding elements you're teaching yeah. are so a bit higher than um, those that you'll kind of get to understand a bit quicker in, in lower years uh, and then it's about signposting those staff to um, places that can support but giving them the time to yeah. develop to, to, to engage with that um, I did mention it before, I'll mention it again, um, the NCCE uh, courses. The great thing about those at the moment is that you have this bursary as well. So those are free yeah. um, for first teacher and the school gets about 200 odd quid um, to cover. It's really good. Yeah, so that it, they're to, to cover, um, it's 220 I think, and it, that's to cover the uh, supply. supply. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So it's about engagement with those organisations and putting, committing to staff development, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Jan has another question as well. Okay. And she said, if schools have a budget to invest in hardware or mm. software, and then she's put ha ha because, you know. Yeah, <laughs> if, yeah, exactly. If, if they have that yeah. extra money, yeah. um, what's the best use of their funding and how do they guard against the investment quickly becoming obsolete or underused? 
Yeah, it's a tricky one, that, isn't it? And uh, as you say, it's a bit of a hypothetical conversation with whether schools get, the, get any money or not. But um, I would say that uh, when um, the, I said to you before, uh, before, the easiest thing to do is buying the kit. Um, to make sure that kit is used and used well, I always think, you know, take the top 10, 20% of whatever budget you've got and put that to one side for actually staff training as well. Um, and I think also with computing, uh, you know, kit that's out there, look for the companies that aren't just providing the kit, but are also providing a lot of support around it and clearly listen to the um, primary community. Um, one bit of Keysage 2 kit that I'm a massive fan of, um, and I'm not on commission, but I should be because I talk yeah. about them wherever is the crumble controller. Okay. So crumble controller is relatively inexpensive in comparison to some bits of kit which are available to teach um, physical computing key stage two. It's about twelve pounds for the actual board, and yeah. then you get or add all your bits on. Um, but it's just the the community, the people that make it. Um, they provide lots of resources. They're listening to what primary schools need. They're evolving it so it doesn't become redundant. Yeah. I'd just be a little bit wary of kind of more shiny, flashy, robot-y kind of things that don't have the the kind of the opportunity to do as much with them. Yeah, they can yeah. sometimes look really cool, but actually if you think, can I be really creative with this? Can I tinker with it, pull it apart, you know, and see what yeah. I can do with it? Then And reuse it as reuse well. Reuse it, yeah. yeah. So, um yeah, that's what I'd say there. Uh, the whole thing about um, redundant over time as well is a bit of a tricky one um, because things always update and then they yeah. become obsolete. Yeah. Um, I think some schools look at doing sort of almost like a hire or rental. Yes. Uh, I've heard of that happening yeah. in some schools as well. Yeah. And they're also, um, you know, teaming up with other schools and doing the kit loan library, um, the computing hubs. Idea that are part of the NCC are going to be having kit to loan to schools. Yeah. Um, so engaging with them or engaging with computing at school, communities, yeah. practice as well, then you can share kit. Yeah. Is there any other kit that you recommend as well? Uh, so I like, um, if you've got a bit more money, Spheros are really, really cool in Keystage 2. Um, so you can program those mm -hmm. and the little ball little spheres that you can program to move around. They've got sensors in them, so you can do lots of wow. work with uh, science as well. Uh, Key stage one, I'm a big fan of the Bebop. It's a classic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's ideal um, yeah. for teaching um, programming in Key Stage one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in my school, I use uh, Suro's Crumble in Key Stage two and Bebop's in Key Stage one. Um, and that's our kind of main, main focus. Just as we were talking about this, I feel like I should have done a bit of research before, but I've actually got a friend who um, makes something, and I can't okay. remember exactly what it is. Um, and he'll, he'll be really upset with me for not thinking. Um, but he makes like the um, motherboards, yeah. which go in a hot air balloon, and then oh, okay. they go up, and then you track it and find okay. where it is. Oh, right. Okay, that sounds yeah. really cool. Well, not a hot air balloon, a helium balloon, but like yes. a big one. Okay, yeah, so I've done a helium balloon launch, actually. I don't know yeah. if you, you might have seen a few years back, uh, myself and my friend, fellow PhD geek, were the first people to send a Lego man to space. Does that... It, no, no. You, you might not have been looking out for that kind of no news story at the time. Um, yeah, so we, we made up, I know exactly what he does then, so we made up yeah. Lego men to look like myself and my friend Ian, yeah. and we sent them to the edge of space, and we got a photo of them doing a spacewalk, and then you track them, 
uh, and, and, then, uh, and then the children have to go find yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Does he do it with the Raspberry Pi Foundation? Yes, he does. Yep. He, I think he does it with them. And um, I really want to remember his Nephis Computers, is, it's called. Okay. Um, and he, it's a side thing he does. Yeah, yeah. Got a business yeah. in IT, and he, he, he creates that. the um, yeah, so motherboards great, and Yeah, it's a great project to be involved in. Cause yeah. Loads of science info that you can bring in on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Raspberry Pis obviously are great. You know, this yeah. kind of thirty-five pound computer. I don't tend to use them so much in primary. Yeah. Find they use more in in secondary. Yeah, um, they've got a lot of possibilities, haven't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you, I mean, you can do loads of things with them, and you can correct. Uh, connect loads of sensors and outputs to them as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing in primary is the micro bit. Okay. Um, the BBC micro bit. Um, so that is kind of uh, comparable with the crumble for doing some physical computing stuff in Keystage 2. Right, brilliant. You yeah. see, I've yeah, learned so much yeah. now about <laughs> things I didn't know about, so thank you. I like it when I learn. Um, okay, so with so many different work roles, how do you manage your life work balance? Yeah, so uh, I try and be as organised as I can. I use um, an app called Todoist, which is a... I'm writing that down. Uh, it's just <laughs> a... Basically, it's a to-do list, but you can uh, categorise it by all of your different kind of... Well, by me, I basically categorise it by all my different bosses that I have throughout the week. <laughs> yeah. um, but then it syncs on my iPad and my laptop and my phone. So, you know, oh, when you're yeah, like you still at the bus stop and you think, oh, yeah, yeah. And you can just pop it on there and it syncs yeah. across. This so, is what I have with my Evernote for my Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, brilliant. it's the same thing, like a cloud computing thing. Yeah. Um, but then I also don't have um, work emails on personal, like, devices and stuff. Like, I ha Well, I have them set where I can go into it but it's not popping up on yeah, I don't uh, notifications. Either. My phone would die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I had ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. Just no. Yeah. No. Um, and uh, I'm I've have some hobbies that uh, so I fly little micro lights um, and um, I, I work. I try and fix classic cars, but I normally break oh, them right. more than okay. I. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just think expensive that, hobby. Uh, cheap classic cars, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can quite you you can have one, you know, a few of mine. They're not worth anything. And my wife would yeah, be. They don't go. No, exactly. I my just wife, have them. Yeah, my wife would Take be glad to space. get them off the front front drive as well. Um, and I, th I just think hobbies are really important, you know, particularly for teachers as well. You, you, we're working with kids, and we're the idea is we're inspiring because we like doing stuff and learning stuff. So it's yeah. nice to have hobbies that you can talk to them about so you can see you're actually doing stuff yeah. yeah 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 so but i i think i've got better at that over time i can remember when i first started out yeah. in the profession i was workaholic and working yeah. long hours yeah so i think it does come over time it's really hard to get out of it really because i yeah. think a lot of teachers naturally are workaholics and yeah you know even me now i'm a bit of a workaholic right but i also love it so yeah well yeah. then there we go yeah yeah okay so what? yeah I was just going to add, because I think sometimes we fall into the trap of uh, trying to do a one-size-fits-all. If you are working longer hours, but you are loving it and you are happy, you're yeah. going to be less happy if I tell you you can't. Yes. It's about just empowering people to yeah. know what they are comfortable with and like work helping them work towards that. Yeah, it's like when, um, I don't know if you see this on Facebook, where you'll have somebody saying that they work in the Monday of the holidays. Well, mm. they might have decided to work that Monday of the holidays so they don't have to work yeah. any other day. And then you've got yeah. somebody going, it's the holidays, you shouldn't yeah, be working. Exa exactly. Don't do it until you go back to school. Oh, yeah. but hang on, I've got two children and I can't do that. Yeah. Great for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
you know, so it's about being respectful about, mm. about what they want to do. Um, okay, so my closing four questions then. That oh, right, everyone. okay. If you could wave a magic wand, yeah. how would you solve the life-work balance problem? Uh, I think that we need to double um, funding into education because I honestly think that um, a one full-time post as a teacher could be split into two. That's exactly what I think. Ah, right. There I we think go. we should have a morning teacher and an afternoon teacher. That is exactly teacher. what I was going to go on to say. Because in my mind, I think that, uh, you know, my mum's teacher talked to her about, you know, all of the initiatives that are in now. Mm -hmm. And yes, if you look at the research, then they work, they add enhancement. Yeah. Um, but since my mum was a teacher and now, all these initiatives have come in, but nothing has changed in terms yeah. of the fact that it's a one-time, one-time, full-time post. Totally agree, you have a morning teacher who marks all afternoon, yeah. and then you have it the other way around. And yes. then you would get, uh, you would be able to implement all of the initiatives yeah. well. Um, so yeah, just double the money. And also, <laughs> the, the accountability that you feel for that one class, it'd be shared. Mm. At least you'd feel like you could talk to somebody, work with somebody. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. There we go. I feel... Have you ever tried working the numbers out, though, to see if, if it would ever be possible on paper with the funding that they get? Per, I mean, you'd have to basically have it's a school a in like thing. a... Oh, right, okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, this was supposed to just be... But we yeah, go on, if, you, if you've logic. worked it out. No, I haven't, I haven't. Right, I always wonder, I should sit down with a piece of paper and see, you know, if you had the cheapest school building possible, mm. um, no books or anything else, could you actually get two teachers? To be fair though, and, and I know that not everyone would agree with this, but it's something my mum's always said as well, if it meant um, shorter waiting times in the NHS, she'd gladly pay mm. more of her uh, national insurance. And yeah. is, it, is it the same thing, you know, would we gladly all pay more tax? Um, so my husband's family, um, he's got some family in Serbia and we, we visited in August and we were talking about wages actually because I think head teacher there, we met a head teacher of a secondary school and I think, I don't know, did you come up with something like 500 euros a month? Right. Um, and obviously mm -hmm. the cost of living is a lot lower, mm -hmm. but actually they pay 50% tax and I think she were talking about after tax. Right, okay. Whereas we don't. Yeah. And so yeah. that's... I found that really interesting yeah. and that pays for all their things like the NHS and mm, mm. all their version but of it, obviously. Yeah, going really political then, isn't it? And it's yeah. well, where would you fund it from? But yeah, into magic wand stuff though. Magic double wand the, stuff, Double the yeah. number. I'm just thinking, you know, you never know, in time there might be a way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But then obviously wages would have to go up as well. Yeah. Okay. okay, so where do you think education is going in the next 10 years? I think there's going to be increasing application of technology mm -hmm. in education. I think that I'd like to see it go more towards skills than knowledge. Mm -hmm. I think that we are too knowledge heavy at the moment with the current curriculum. This is kind of more magic wand stuff actually for me as well, I think. Don't matter though, it's just where, where do you want it to go? I find it interesting how you say it's, it's too knowledge heavy. And I'm not saying that it's mm. not, but in Serbia, for example, mm. um, they are really confused why we don't know so everything. Mm. They know their history so mm. granularly, and they're across that we don't know it. They and just how and, and does they know that a lot. Them? No idea. They think it does. <laughs> they think our, yeah. our education system. Maybe we should have more knowledge, yeah. but. 
Exactly. I just find it really, mm. really interesting, mm. um, like the different opinions, because I go there and I feel flustered because I don't remember the yeah, exact yeah. dates of certain things. And they go, well, and they tell me my history. And I'm like, yeah, uh, um, yeah. So um, I had a bit of that actually when I was on that EU project. Right. Okay. They could also spell in English yeah. better than I could. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But actually, I mean, one thing, you know, but we, there's a lot of knowledge. Yeah. In fact, the yeah. Roman numerals as well. I remember when that first came out. Um, and his cousin was about 17 at the time and she knew them all and she right. corrected all the things yes. I'd done wrong and I was like, listen, I'm only just learning this. It's only yeah. just come out. And But I just question, I, I would want to know why. Why do we need to know that? So well, you've got Google. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, it's because often as well, when people kind of debate or argue these things, they go polar extremes, right? Yeah. And often, because polar extremes are a bit more of a news line, headline, right? But the reality is often somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yes, I think that uh, personally, I think the knowledge is less important now because we have knowledge at the tip of our fingers, smartphone in our pocket. What's yeah. important is having the digital discernment skills to interpret that knowledge, yeah, to know fake news, what find it, determine what might yeah. be fake news, misinformation. Yeah. The other thing is, well, just in t talking about the future, we often quote this idea in education that we, how do we prepare pupils for jobs that don't yet exist? Yeah. And yes, I agree with that. But one thing I do think is that I can probably guarantee that the jobs that don't exist now that will, will be tech linked. Yeah. I think there is one thing we can say with certainty is that technology is yeah. not going away. It's only going to get more uh, sort of embedded. So more more emphasis on on tech yeah. in schools and, and it's, it's an all-round thing as well because i mean i think this conversation has come up on a previous podcast recently actually right. because um, me and um, my operations director sean we actually went to like a learned event i think mm -hmm. and that came up and i just turned to her and i said yeah actually you know what was it like at school having a job that didn't exist when you were at school? Because our jobs didn't exist because, yeah. you know, the, yeah, yeah, the website yeah. that we've got. And you were like, well, yeah, you just, you kind of just got on with it. Yeah. So I feel in some ways it's just important about having an all round kind of understanding and, and, and knowing that you can try something new and you mm. can keep mm. learning. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And you, you know where to go to find out yeah. something if you don't, don't know how to do it. You yeah. Know. Yeah. I'm with you. I like Google. <laughs> Yeah. And I find it quite stressful to, yeah, to yeah. not know the exact dates when they yeah. know it. Yeah, but the whole thing around misinformation and like fake news and stuff, I think it's really interesting. You know, the yeah. Google, all that information is there. But, you know, how often do you see, uh, you know, relatives whose family posting things on Facebook? You think that's a load of rubbish. Why have they posted that? Yes. So don't Generally be one of them. block them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Who is your favourite teacher at school and why? Um, favourite teacher was a chap called Mr Brown, mm -hmm. um, who was my chemistry teacher. Um, unfortunately, he passed away about ten years after I left, uh, quite early. But he was a great he was a great teacher because he was the one who would do all of the experiments that all of the other teachers were too scared to do. He, oh, he would go for it, make all of his lessons really practical. He once uh, nearly burnt the school down trying to do a <laughs> distillation of oil, you know, like a refinery model, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the top caught fire and it's February evacuated. But no, a real inspiration. <laughs> yeah. um, and what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, I, as I said to you before, I used to dream of being an astronaut, and now I just dream of having a perfect lawn. 
that's just how my aspirations have changed over the years. Do you years. have a gardener? Uh, no, I don't even have a lawn. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm in say. a debate with my wife at the moment of whether we can get a lawn. Uh, no, I've always, I've, I wanted to be the astronaut or pilot. So, because um, uh, my granddad was a pilot and he was mm -hmm. a big inspiration in that sense. And you don't fancy going back and being a pilot? Uh, no, I so I fly little microflights in my spare time. Um, so, but uh, no, I wouldn't consider retraining. I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could afford to. Seeing as you've, I mean, how long did you spend learning? Uh, microflights. No, because you've got a PhD. Uh, right, yeah, I couldn't really justify going back and spending more money on education. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So no, uh, I'm very happy as well doing what I'm doing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. There's Pleasure. so much content there that I'm really excited for teachers to get their hands on. Cool. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I learned so much. I love that Dr Chip is still trialling his ideas with the children in the classroom. Hopefully, you have some great ideas for technology to invest into and ways to improve computing knowledge in your school. You'll find everything that John talked about in the show notes. If it's the first time that you're listening to the Teacher's Podcast, then check out our other episodes for some more great listens. We've been securing some more fantastic guests for you, and if you want to request that someone is on the podcast, then you can let us know in our Facebook group called The Teacher's Podcast Community. This episode is live on YouTube as well, so don't forget to subscribe to the channel. And if you love this episode, then please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teacher's Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.